Now, LeBray's deal with the aftermath. Bottom line is we didn't get to where we wanted to get to or expected to. You know, and I don't know that we'll have the answer today. From the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, this is the Braves Report, presented by Kroger, the podcast that takes you inside the clubhouse and gives you the stories behind the score. I'm Jay Black with our AJC Braves beat reporter, Justin Toscano, and our features reporter, Gabriel Burns, is joining us. And, uh, men, we've had the weekend to think about it. We've recovered from our flights back from Philadelphia. Uh, anybody got any answers yet? I... I do not. I have processed a lot. Um, Obviously, you know, we heard Alex break it down uh, a little bit um, over the 50-minute video conference call we did Friday with him uh, as local media. Guys, I'm still still pretty stunned uh, because when you look at it, especially with fresh eyes and fresh minds, you, you realize that, man, the Braves... If they just show up offensively, like they're in the NLCS, probably. That's the thing is, it's the way they lost too. Like I don't think anyone thought the Phillies didn't have a chance, but the way the way it happened was pretty stunning. So no, I mean, it's hard to find answers out of that one. All right, coming up, we'll uh, hear from the boss, Alex Anthopoulos, and uh, what he's thought about any potential answers and how uh, he will adjust his plans going forward in 2024. Plus, we've got some of the answers to your questions, hopefully, in the Ask Justin segment. This is your first time listening to the show. We are happy to have you, and uh, please make sure you follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, presented by Kroger. And uh, parents, if you're a Braves fan, you're probably going to have some time on your hands now uh, the next coming weekend. So take a look at Kroger Chef Jr. to find something to do with your kids. For those that don't know, Kroger Chef Jr. is a guided kids' cooking experience at select Kroger locations where your child will be making a UGA cookie on October 21st. Each Kroger Chef Jr. is a 30-minute class where your child learns how to make the cookie and also receives an apron, patch, chef's hat, UGA cookie cutter, plus a recipe card and holder for just $7 per child. So register your time period today at KrogerChefJr.com. That is KrogerChefJr, and Jr. is spelled out, .com. All right, Alex, first thoughts on what went wrong in Philadelphia? Nobody has a, the exact formula. Otherwise, if somebody would be winning, you, you know, but I think that's what makes what makes baseball great is that you're constantly looking for answers um, in terms of what gets you to a World Series. So um, I, I think I've said this in an interview earlier. I can look back at every every playoff run and, and take something away from it. And I'm already dissecting some of that now. I'm not ready to come up with any hard and fast answers. Um but look, like, you know, we talked a lot about in the past. Well, we got off to slow. Felt like we got off to slow starts a lot in the six years I've been here. Maybe not 18, but the other years, seems like we got off to slow starts. This past year, we didn't, you know, and we made some adjustments. Um, we've gotten better during the season. You know, in terms of our regular season performance, this is by far the best one since I've, I've been here. Justin, you were there for all all 50 minutes. How did you read on Al- what Alex had to say and how he felt about what happened on on Thursday? Yeah, I my take was that by the time we talked to him, he'd already had some productive conversations about what had happened uh, in the NL- NLDS and what to do moving forward. I think there's still some processing he had to do because like anybody, like Travis Darno said this to me um, the night of the Game 4 loss, that he might have a different answer uh, in a week. 
about it. You know, he was still processing it. I think that was the same with Alex. You know, I'd probably have a different answer in two days, probably be able to say something, uh, add something onto that in five days, six days, seven days, uh, two weeks. But for right now, it seems like a lot of what he said centered on the issues of runs and scoring position uh, in that series and, and maybe the lack of a big hit here, the lack of a big hit there. What I did find very interesting um, and it's certainly a topic for discussion is when I asked him at the end of that call how he goes about evaluating those sorts of things when he has those conversations, like who does he ask the questions to? What does he ask? Like how has he done that in his career um, after playoff exits? He said, I definitely have, as I said today, I'm not going to share it just because from a competitive standpoint, um, it's going to shape our off season and some of the things that we do. Um, but I definitely have uh, a specific takeaway in terms of how we might approach the offseason, uh, what we might do, which all ties in now. Look, regardless, still need guys to have good seasons. Guys got to stay healthy. And that goes without saying. Anybody care to guess what that specific takeaway is going to be? You know what? Like, I actually don't know because one of the areas I thought they could improve was the bullpen. Uh, those were two areas like the Phillies trotted out basically a, a line of guys throwing 98 to 100. The Braves didn't really have that, but that didn't become a factor in the series. You look at the historic record-breaking offense, what do you change? Uh, what do you add? I mean, this was a group that was good with runners in scoring position all year, and it just didn't happen in four games. Um, I mean, I, I, I wonder if he's maybe there's like something makeup wise uh, in terms of adding a guy like who has the attitude of a Jock Peterson or who has the attitude of a Jorge Soler, kind of that. Uh, what did Guillermo Heredia say one time, Gabe, not a humble? Uh, it, like just a little bit of edge, a little bit of attitude. But I, you know what? That's hard because I was trying to guess in that moment what Alex was talking about. And other than like, what they need to do, like rebuilding the rotation and, and like maybe adding another starter. Uh, it, there, there aren't a ton of things you look at with this team that are flawed. I mean, it was a really, really good team that just had its worst series in four games. So I, I wonder, I don't know, but I did find it interesting in the first clip he played that Gabe, you've covered most of these. Like he mentioned the slow starts throughout most of his tenure. And this year they fixed that. So I'm wondering if they're going to fix something for the postseason approach too. But uh, Gabe, any guesses on what he might mean? Uh, you have maybe more of a bird's eye view of things. It's tough because you just laid it out. This roster was so good. I think that's what makes this so much more painful for fans too. Because if you're a Dodgers fan, you look at that, you're like, well, we're going to go out. We're going to get you know, rotation help. We're going to get Otani, like whoever it is. There's kind of a light at the end of the tunnel thing where it's like, this was not our best team, even though they won a hundred games. So with the Braves, it was like, this kind of was our best team. This roster was stacked. It, it felt like there was, you know, there's things here or there. You're never going to have a perfect roster. So yeah, I mean, they're going to need a starter. You're going to have to tweak the bullpen. The bottom of their lineup has basically been a no-show for two straight postseasons. But again, you you look at that and you're like, well, what are you going to do? You're going to replace Michael Harris? You're not going to do that, obviously. You're going to, I mean, Arcia was an all-star for you. So you're looking at that, you're going, well, what exactly are they supposed to do? 
that leads me to think that maybe it is a makeup thing, um, which is kind of what you mentioned. Maybe do you, and we'll talk about the clubhouse here in a bit, but do you need just some, just kind of a fresh, you know, edgier kind of guy in there? I'm not really sure. I, I think it's really interesting, though, that he's already really got something that he's pinpointed that kind of controls the whole offseason. Like, I, I would love to know what that is. Um, but there's, you know, there's plenty of options for it, certainly. For the record, Alex was asked that question about the makeup of the clubhouse and if you need a not humble. The room is fan- fantastic. Look, it's it's a four game uh, series that we lost. And to try, and I know, look, it's human nature that we all want to be able to pinpoint and say, here's why, here's the answer. Change this, fix that, problem solved. You win the World Series. Well, the other 12 teams. The other 11 teams, I'm sorry, are going through the same thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is it is kind of, on one hand, hard to say, well, if you yell more, you're going to hit better. But 2021 Braves did yell more and they hit better. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for um, being built for the postseason in that way. Uh, I, I really, when the Braves play somebody, I pay attention to the other media core. Uh, I don't know if you used to do that, Gabe. It's just interesting to say, like, see, like, what's coming out of the other side. Um, and it was interesting, if not unexpected, you know, if not, you know, it was expected that a lot of like the Philly stuff was about how they were built for the postseason. They were built for October and they had a bunch of guys who just showed up in those moments. And that's not to say that the Braves don't, because one other thing Alex said that is completely true is that this core, like most of these guys, like a lot of them were there for well, some of them, at least were there for the 2021 World Series. And the roster has had changes since then. But it's like Ozzy was there. Max was there. Austin Riley was there. Like, you know, kind of on down the line, Travis Darno uh, caught every inning of it. I, so it's you've got the right group. But I do think there's something to be said for having the edge that the Phillies showed. And it just didn't seem like the Braves could match that attitude or that intensity. And now with saying that, you're not going to look like you're having a lot of energy and intensity if you score zero ones, run one run and two runs and all the losses. But I, I just feel like it didn't really feel like the Braves matched that intensity. And I think they've done a nice job of getting great guys in the room who you know who are humble and like you know at least in the public view um and they go about their business uh and they do things the right way they work hard i just wonder if like uh yeah an infusion of a, a jock or somebody like that uh jock peterson does something um or a- adds an edge but there's part of that to me that i think is kind of mythical like I, I don't know that that's true because this team won 104 games the room is obviously great and Alex is right. Like it's it's one series. And as I thought about this more, they won the World Series two years ago. I know fans are really concerned about this becoming the 1990s and the early 2000s. It's not there just yet. Like look at these. Like Houston won the World Series, and subsequently, you know, in 17, subsequently two years later, got punished for cheating, um, and then won it five years later. Uh, the Dodgers have won it once, and that was the COVID season. Um, you look at this like nobody is winning two out of three anymore, or you know, three out of five, or it's it's hard to do. And that's why he said like if there was a formula, everybody would have it, and somebody would be winning every year. Um, 
But there's got to be, I don't know, there's got to be some ingredient that they've found. And knowing Alex, like he's always searching for the answer, even if he's not going to give that to us publicly. Gabe? Here's what I'll say about it. I don't think they're missing a Freddie or a Dansby. I know that that has been a topic to some. I, I don't think that's what this is at all. I, I do think when you watch them play the Phillies, there is a looseness and a confidence that the Phillies have with their guys the Braves just haven't shown. And it's two straight Octobers. And you know what? Everyone, oh, well, it's a crapshoot and all that's, all that's great. Yeah, it's true. But when you lose to the same team twice and you can't even push them to a game five, how exactly am I supposed to sit here and just go, well, it's random? I mean, it might be, but the Phillies have been clearly better than them twice now in October, period. This was not, oh, if we had had this one, this one hit, or it was not. They were better than you again. So, and I don't really care how much better you are than them for the six month regular season. When it matters, you're not better than them. So, and like when Austin Riley hits that homer in game four, he's coming home. He's looking at the dugout. He's waving his arms. It just, it didn't feel the same as it did with the Phillies. And some of this stuff is like, uh, you're right. Some of it sounds kind of mythical or just a talking point when you lose because I get, I get all that. But I do think maybe some outside voices in there, just something like Jock. Jock was so big, obviously, for the clubhouse during that year. And that, not necessarily him, but just someone like that, just to bring a little bit more of an edgier looseness outside view into this clubhouse, I think that would help. Yeah, and the the one thing you mentioned, Gabe, is they were clearly outplayed. And amid our questions to Alex about answers and a postseason process and the missing ingredient and what this team needs and whether he'll make a splashy move in the offseason, this, that, the other thing, the Phillies were just playing better. And if you look at these two years, I think that's the one glaring point about this. You, These were not guys. These weren't 8-7 games. They weren't 6-5 games. They weren't 9-8 games that went back and forth and had tons of action here, there, and everywhere. The Braves were just outplayed in every one of them, uh, except for game two of last year. For the most part, they were outplayed in game two of this year. They've just been outplayed, and they've looked outclassed, which is not like them. Uh, the Phillies have just been better. Last year, it seemed like the Phillies had the mojo. The Phillies had the vibes. This year, it just seemed like the Phillies were just playing better. And I don't, and we know obviously it's a little closer than that 14 games, you know, they had separating them in the regular season. The Phillies got off to a slow start. The Braves got off to a fast start. That's probably where the difference comes. But the Phillies just looked better in October. And I think sometimes baseball is difficult to analyze because there's small sample sizes in the postseason when you're only playing one round and you lose in that first round. But guys, I can't get over the disparity between Bryce Harper, Trey Turner, and Nick Castellanos, and Ronald Acuna, and Matt Olson, and Ozzy Albies. Like Austin Riley showed up, but Olson. Albies. I mean, Olsen had hits and he had, you know, the, the batting average, but no extra base hits. Albies did not show up. Acuna hardly showed. Harris did not show up. Arcia, who had provided at least a little bit in the season, you know, something in the season more than you could expect it, did not show up. That was glaring to me, guys. When the moment got the biggest, the Philly stars showed up, the, as, even on the road. 
The Braves, the Stars did not. And that's probably like the eternal question for all of sports, right? Is like everybody wants to show up, but sometimes you don't. Exactly. Yeah. It felt like the Phillies were on a mission and it felt like the Braves were. I don't like say, I, I think it's always stupid when people are like, well, they wanted it more. And it's like, I don't know. I, I, that phrase is pretty stupid. You don't know what's going on inside of people's heads. And, but it, it did feel like this was almost more important to the Phillies. Right. And that's not, I, I'm not even saying that to criticize any individuals on the Braves. That's just when you're watching it, you can watch it as a fan, you can watch it as media. It just felt like this was more important to the Phillies. It just felt like they just had a better idea of how to attack this and what they were doing. And, you know, the Braves had a great regular season. I mean, that's great, but, the, you know, the Phillies had a pretty ho-hum. It was just, you know, a 90-win season, which is a good team, not a great team. And But they know how to be great when you need to be great. And, you know, the Braves won the World Series two years ago, so some of these freakouts are really stupid. But at the same time, there is a lot of turnover from that roster. And, you know, you have to look here and there at what, the, you know, what can you do that's a little bit different. Yeah, I I don't know that this is accurate or fair, but it almost fits into the description of the Phillies were playing on a mission, as you said. The Braves were trying not to lose, it seemed like. Like the Braves were tight. They just were not loose. Like I it was weird because they came out for the second straight year. Last year they came out and played their worst baseball since the end of May. This year, they came out and played their worst baseball basically all year, like everything considered. And it, it, you, it's stunning. I mean, yeah, like another hit here or there. That's probably true. Like they were outplayed, but that's probably true. If they have a few more big hits, like they might win the series. That's how good they are. That's why this is so painful, as you mentioned, Gabe, for fans. Like this was a team that could have and should have done it. They had, look at one through nine. They had a record-breaking lineup. They had a good rotation. Uh, Max Freed was rusty, but Spencer Strider was, you could say, pretty much at his best. Um, I mean, they had the bullpen held up for them. Like, that was a concern for people going into the postseason for fans, and the bullpen held up for them. They had all the ingredients except the offense that they didn't even bother. You know, we never even bothered to think about because we thought they were going to have it. And I think that's what's so painful is like, yeah, like, you don't want to hear the, oh, you're one hit away stuff because they weren't. Like they got outplayed. It was very clear. The Phillies were just better. It wasn't very close um, for the most part. Yet it still felt close. And I think that's a testament to how good the Braves actually were that if a few things go differently in these games, there's a game five and, you know, they're in Atlanta and maybe it was just not meant to be. And maybe they would have lost that. Gabe, you certainly saw what happened in 19 against the Cardinals. But, um, this team in a game five at Truist Park that's breaking attendance records, it felt like they were going to advance. And I think that's probably like what will sting fans the most is like they were so good that even playing as poorly as they did, these games were most of them were not out of hand. They were in three out of four of them. It just it really felt I followed this team my whole life and, and there's been a lot of playoff disappointments. And I think 21 really kind of made everyone feel different because that team you know, that was not the best team in baseball, obviously, until it was. I really, I, I, I was telling, you know, I, I'd been telling my buddies, honestly, for months, I'm like, I think they're going to roll through this thing. And you never know, but I really felt good that this team was going to 
was going to roll. Even when even when there were some even when there were some injuries, I, I really felt like this was kind of the team. And but I also said kind of the one team you didn't really want to play was the Phillies because they're not scared of them and they just they know how to play them. I would have rather played the Dodgers, and you know that obviously that's kind of easy to say now. So so I don't know. I mean, it, it's I'll say this one more thing on the postseason randomness. It's not random to Houston. And Snip made that point um, after the game. You know, everyone comes after him for 17, rightfully so. That was 2017. They're still in this, they're still in the ALCS every year. Um, They have something figured out that clearly the, you know, the Braves can't figure it out and the Dodgers can't figure it out. And some of these other great teams have not been able to figure it out. So, I guess you have to tip your cap to them. I don't. I don't know what it is, but they've got the guys who really, you know, that they're just they're at their best in the moment, kind of like what we're saying about the Phillies. So the Braves kind of. I mean, they need to. They. It's. It sounds so. It sounds so simple to say it. But they got. They got to figure out something like the Astros have. The Astros too, Gabe. As we're talking about edge and attitude and things like that, I think they had that little revenge tour that motivated them last year. But they kind of like from the outside, and I've never covered those guys, they kind of seem businesslike, almost like we talk like the Braves. Like they go in there, they handle their business, they do things the same every day, they're consistent. It doesn't seem like they're like a show everywhere they go, or at least they're not trying to be. And that's kind of what the Braves are, but the Astros are winning. So I, I think it shows you that you can you can do it that way, um, but the Astros are doing it. And, and that's the point, like the playoff format stuff. It almost, you know, I'm willing to talk about it if it's a, you know, a lesser team or things like that. But that the 104 win Braves, as much as you can have opinions about the playoff format, like you got to play better. And yet you're seeing Houston do it. And that struck, stood out to me is like from the outside, Houston doesn't seem like this show of like confident, cocky players that goes from city to city. Like they seem to me like very businesslike and sometimes to a point like sterile. <laughs> And like, and they're still getting it done every year. On the point of the the randomness of the playoffs and why it seems like only the Astros have kind of figured this out. Since the division series started in 95, there have been 31 teams that have had the best record going into the playoffs. There's a couple of teams that have tied. Anybody want to care to guess what percentage of those teams did not make it to the LCS? Ooh, that didn't make it to the LCS. And there are 31 teams. Yep. How many of those teams lost in the division series? I'm going to go with 20. It's 41%. So it's 14 of those 31. 41%. That's the most likely outcome, believe it or not. For you to have the best record over 162 games, your most likely outcome is to lose in the division series. Six of those teams won the World Series, and other six lost the World Series. Five of them got knocked out in the LCS, and 14 got knocked out in the division series. And the ones who, the last one who won the World Series with the best record was the 18 Red Sox, right. right? Yeah, see, it it makes no sense to me. Like, the 2001 Mariners, who hold the regular season record for, you know, victories, they lost in the DS. Like, it, it makes no sense to me that you can just be a runaway train throughout the season and just come to a halt. I think it's it's got something to do. I mean, it has to have something to do with the fact that you never felt any pressure throughout the season. You just got on such a big roll that you're rolling, you're rolling, you're rolling. Every day is, you know, you're consistent. Things are happening. 
And then you probably get that point of fear struck into you in the postseason. Like if you lose a game, like, oh God, like our season's going to be over if we lose a couple more of these. And I don't know, like it's got, that's the only thing I can figure out for those teams because it happens way too often. Like those are great. A lot of great teams went by the wayside in the DS, the 2023 Braves being one of them. And I just wonder if a short series makes guys think a lot more because I think we saw um, after that game one loss, guys were just, they were expanding. Like we saw swings we had not seen in the regular season. We saw bats we had not seen in the regular season. Um, it, it, it's just almost like you felt them pressing. Like you felt the pressure turned up on the Braves. Um, and you especially felt that, you know, as, as they kind of went into Philly and like they got behind that one game. Um, and then, you know, in game three two, or game four too, like you felt, I don't know, it just felt like something was off. And as much as you can't get into their heads, like Gabe said, so we, you know, we, I always say we're not doctors on this. We don't psychoanalyze people on this podcast, but I would have to think that if you lose a game, the, if you're a hundred plus win team with the best record in baseball, the mere thought of two more losses ending your season is probably very pressure inducing. It is. And speaking of history, what was that stat? The Braves are the first a hundred win team to lose consecutive years to a division to the same division rival or whatever yep. the history was they made yeah it was it was not good history it, it does man like this team the phillies are not i don't want to call them in, i don't want to say the braves are intimidated by them but there is something like when i had asked riley about why are the phillies so much better this month than they are the other six and he was like well i'm trying to figure that out too and he mentioned like they really feed off this crowd the Braves win at Citizens Bank Park in the regular season. Like they were five and one there. Like they went, they don't have any problems there. They've never, that I can really remember, had problems there. It's fine. Like, so it, that environment, man, they, they have not handled it well. Game four was the first time they'd actually played a competitive game there over these last two years when it's mattered. So, I mean, there's something to that too. And I, I mean, you, ha- you have to play. You know, and that, it's going to be a good experience for Arizona. I don't think they're going to win that series, but for you know, for their young players to experience that, you have to win in those kind of environments. The Braves know this. Again, they won the World Series. You know, they won they won a game at Dodger Stadium during that run, and then they won the World Series in Houston. But and Milwaukee is not an easy place to play either in the playoffs. So I, I don't know. Uh, there's there's just so much that goes into it. We could we could legit sit here all day and talk about all the different things that go into this. The, uh, the the phrase of the show and probably the phrase of the offseason, the phrase in everybody's Braves fans head is, I don't know. But uh, coming up, how the Braves will handle the offseason and try to figure out how to answer that question. This is the Braves report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution presented by Kroger. What's so great about being a Kroger Boost member? Free delivery on the Kroger products you love and more rewards too, like double fuel points on everything you buy. Experience a new level of membership, starting as low as $59 a year with Boost by Kroger Plus. Learn more at Kroger.com today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. 
Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, don't forget, if you have not joined our community yet, and you're looking for more Braves coverage, and you're looking for more sports coverage, and now it's time to turn the page to college football. The Falcons are okay. And we've got the NBA about to get ramped up here. Join our community and subscribe to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. we got a special offer going right now. Six months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents to get everything, not just our sports coverage, but breaking news, politics, investigations, food and dining, on and on and on. Six months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. So to take advantage of this deal, go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. That is subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast so you always know what's really going on. All right. Now time to the 2024 offseason. Hot Stove League officially is uh, underway. And the first question uh, the Braves fans want to know and that uh, Justin asked on Friday was about that extension for Max Free. Could you foresee some extension conversations with Max? Like, based on what you've gathered, does that seem like something both sides would be interested in now that you're in that kind of one-year range? Yeah, so same thing. I know you got to ask. So I, I'm trying to find a way to give you a new quote. Um, so same thing. Um, great players like Max Fried and others. We want to keep those guys. Everybody in the league would want to keep those guys. That goes without saying. Um, when it comes to contracts, extensions, this and that, we work real hard um, that no one even knows we've had a conversation, you know, and I'm not trying to misdirect or, or foreshadow or that, but um, I would never assume that we have had or have not had a conversation with anybody because uh, I would think by and large um, our extensions haven't been discussed beforehand. May, maybe a few, but for the most part, I think barring an exception or two, uh, they've been, people were aware of them when they were announced or maybe within a few hours or maybe a day or two. That's the most Alex Anthopoulos line ever. Don't assume we have or have not done anything. But we might have done something, but we might not have done something. So do you think they've done something? Do you think they will do something? I mean, yeah, I think it's very clear to Max how like the Braves feel about him. Um, and I, I mean, they they make it clear to those guys. I think like you have to look at, though, the interesting point of this is the contracts for Riley, Harris, Strider, those guys, for the most part, were like going to get up in price in terms of being backloaded or steadily loaded throughout the um, term of the deal so the braves have to be careful with the budget and how they extend guys if they're going to extend somebody i mean i think if you're max freed you and you believe you're healthy you believe the forearm is totally good there's nothing lingering with anything i think yeah, like free agency is probably an enticing option. Like, I don't know that. I haven't talked to Max about that. Um, I just, but like, if you want to stay with the Braves, though, I think that can be done. Like, the Braves obviously want to keep him. The question is, how much is that price? And will the sides agree on it? Like, Max is a guy that, look at his last two, three seasons. He's an elite starting pitcher. When he's if he's on the market next winter, like I I would think he would make at least 130, 140 million, uh, at least. And that's based on the term of the deal. Uh starting pitching comes at a premium. It's not cheap. Um, but 
Max has seen what he has with the Braves. They've got a core. They're going to be in the postseason every year. Um, you know, he he's got great teammates there. Uh, the staff seems to support him. Um, Alex has really done a nice job of building an organization that like people want to play for in terms of how they treat families, how they treat players, the things they do to get players ready, the things they do to help players feel comfortable. Um, and so, yeah, like, I don't know why Max like wouldn't want to stay, but I think it's a matter of if you're him and your price has increased, man, like I can see the allure of free agency too. And I think that Max knows how the Braves feel about him. They've probably made that clear. Uh, it's just a matter of if they're going to match up because that's what it seemed to be for like Dansby. And that's what it seemed to be for Freddie. Alex does a good job of acting without emotion. That's why the Braves are where they are. Uh, he did not go out of his depth in terms of out of his comfort zone for Freddie. He did not go out of his comfort zone for Dansby. Like he basically knew like what it was, what he could do and what he couldn't do. And the line was firm and the line, the line was hard. And that's, that's kind of how you have to build this thing. And especially because they have so many guys locked up with varying salaries that go up as you know, they go, they can't just sign anybody and add a specific AAV right now because it might not work in three years. It, it, he's got to worry about kind of the flow of the budget for the next five, six years in these. So I think the Braves have probably made clear as they do with everybody how they feel about Max. It's just a wonder now if Max feels like he's close enough to free agency where he'd want to test it and probably get more money. We're going to sneak peek into the Ask Justin segment here. And we'll let Gabe answer the question uh, from Joe Klecka. Odds it's more likely to sign Max now that he's showing he's injury prone. How much does his lack of starts this year change the equation? Either the Braves may feel he's too injury prone or maybe his price comes down a little bit and the Braves can handle it. I mean, if you look at it as his value is lower, then there's even less reason for him to sign because he's going to bet on himself in a contract year, right? Uh, I, I don't expect anything to get done there. Uh, and frankly, I don't expect him to be here after next year because we've seen this unfold numerous times now. Um, things can change. You never know. But uh, it makes sense for him at this point to look at the free agent market. And really, I mean, we're talking about what kind of money he's going to get. Carlos Rodon got six years, 162 on the free agent market last year. Freed is a better pitcher than him. Freed has been more reliable than him, and they're going to be about the same age. Freed doesn't have Boris, but so that's 27 million a year. Can Freed get, is he going to get more than that? I mean, I don't know. I know this. I know I'd rather have him. I know he's a better pitcher. And I know that if I was his agent, uh, you know, I'm going above that would be my starting point. I think, too, if you think about this, guys, Jacob deGrom, Garrett Cole, um, Max Scherzer, <laughs> that one's funny to say now, but the guys who have gotten massive deals out of this stratosphere um, in terms of the AAV, over $30 million, in Cole's case, a long time, but, you know, longer years, less AV, but I think Max is a better pitcher than almost anybody but those guys. Like, I think you could compare him to a, you know, like when DeGrom's on, I think DeGrom's the best pitcher in the world when he's healthy. But like, Cole is terrific. He's in that elite tier. I think Max is like right below that, if not going to soon enter that. Like, this is a guy that like, when he's not on, he gives up four runs. That's it. 
when he's not on, he gives up three runs. I think there's something here that like you could count. What I'm trying to get at is you could go through this league. And I don't think you're going to find five better pitchers than Max Fried. Like, I think in the NL, you could say Sandy when he's healthy, maybe. But even then, I think he's more prone to just, you know, randomness than Max is the last couple of years, even though Max lost him in the Cy Young uh, award voting. I mean, you've got Wheeler trying to think around the division for now. Um, You've got Snell. I think Max is certainly better than Snell. I think Max is certainly better than Julio Arias. And where that situation went, we don't know. Um, but I'm just trying to think of the guys who played this year. I think Max is certainly better than Zach Gallen. Um, I think if you're in the NL, I don't know that there's a starting pitcher you would take over Max Freed unless you want to be a Braves fan and take Spencer Strider. But if you're in the AL, like I think Max is one of the best five pitchers in baseball. And I think, I think in a year... At a time where people are realizing that pitching gets it done in the postseason and starting pitching at that, I think Max is due for a huge payday. And like you said, Gabe, like if he bets on himself, and Gabe, you kind of lived through this, like half lived through it. Freddie Freeman made so much sense for the Braves. It did not happen. Dansby Swanson made all the sense in the world for the Braves. It did not happen. To me, Max Fried, it doesn't. I don't know. Like, I'm going to have to see them extend a guy like that first to then believe it. Like, it, they've shown that they're completely fine, you know, letting those guys walk if it's not in their comfort zone. And, like, that's totally okay. That's not a bad thing. That's not a criticism at all. In fact, I think it displays the healthier organization that you have been able to lose those guys. And conceivably, you've only gotten better in the regular season. Uh, and I think there's something to be said about a pitcher on a free agent deal, a starting pitcher. Um, when there's been some miles on the arm, there's been some time in the league. Uh, Max is in his prime. I think he'll be good for, you know, that five year, six year, whatever he gets. But I mean, if you're the, you know, if you're a team buying free agent starting pitching or extending a starting pitcher that close to free agency, you kind of know what you're doing. Like it's going to be overpriced because that's just how it is. Barring something crazy, Max Reed will be with the Braves in 2024. Is Charlie Morton going to be with the Braves in 2024? Are they going to exercise his 20 million a year option? Yeah, that one's that one's fascinating. One, how much does the finger sprain affect things? Uh, if that's lingering, that will absolutely go into the decision. Um, two, he's going to turn 40 in in November, um, so next month. But three, guys, if you look at some of the free agent starter salaries. $20 million for a 3-6 ERA and important postseason starts. That's, yeah. If you, if you think Charlie Morton is going to stay healthy, like, and, you know, for that, a 3-6 ERA, a terrific clubhouse guy. Like, he literally is beloved by everybody in the organization. Um, beloved by everybody in the baseball world, really, I would think. I would think $20 million is worth it. Here's where this gets interesting. What if they exercise? What if they declined to pick up the option, but restructured it in a way that was like, okay, well, we don't want you for twenty million. We think that's a little high. But what about for fifteen million? What if they did that? Made him, you know, a free agent? I could see that um, because twenty million is a little high. But on the other hand, as we've just talked about, like free, you know, starting pitching costs a lot. 
a guy like Charlie Morton for 20 million, if he's going to give you a three, five ERA, a three RA, it's, it's a lot, but it's not like you're wildly overpaying. Um, especially if you believe he's still the guy that can give you great starts in the postseason, if he can still get healthy, would Charlie want to retire? That's the next question. I talked to him about that in September about how he decides whether to pitch or whether to retire. It sounded like there were benefits to him to retiring. Like he thinks about like, Hey, like, and every time I'm spending all the time I'm spending here, I'm not spending with my wife and my kids at home. Uh, you know, there's going to be a time I'm going to want to be a dad. Like, I don't want that to pass me by. Like he doesn't, he thinks about those things. On the other hand, Gabe, are you going to turn down $20 million? That is a lot of money. <laughs> I, I, and, you know, I, I think there's a lot of benefits to bringing him back, actually. And again, I think the, the question is really, you know, does he want to keep doing this, obviously? So they're, they're going to need to address their rotation. And to have a guy that's generally a reliable innings eater, is going to be a huge deal because we look at this rotation. What is Bryce Elder? Uh, he was an all-star in the first half. He was just not very good in the second half. So then you look at, I think we're all excited about AJ. He's very young. <laughs> we, we need to see, you know, we need to see more. We just need to see a lot more of him and know how, how many innings you're going to get. At. You're not going to get 200 innings out of him next year, obviously. So you start looking at, the way that this rotation set up, you you have some depth, but you don't really have a lot of guys that you feel confident in beyond the obvious. So to have a guy like Charlie in there, I think is a big deal because again, and Alex mentions this, he's mentioned this point. You have to get there. Like we're sitting here and we're talking about you know all this. I don't think there's any doubt the Braves will be in the postseason next year. I think we all feel they'll be back. They'll be a very very good team. Uh, Ninety, you know, I don't want to throw out win predictions. We don't know, but you know, probably. You know they're clearly the best team in the NL East over a six month period, but they're gonna need they're gonna need to do probably multiple moves with a rotation. Uh, so we'll see. But having Charlie back and having that kind of reliability and that stabilizing presence, assuming that he's healthy, uh, that'd be a big deal. That's probably the main thing, right? Like, is and you make a great point. Charlie brings stability. Uh, that's one thing you can check off the list if you feel he's healthy, because. Yes, Bryce is young. Bryce was perhaps the most pleasant surprise uh, for the Braves this season. But he's young. He's still, you know, he's still learning. He wasn't great in the second half. You can't, you don't want to completely rely on that. I think Bryce is only going to get better. Like, I think Bryce, you know, at a certain point, maybe like, who knows? Maybe because he doesn't have Spencer Strider stuff, because he doesn't have, you know, Max Fried stuff, whatever. Maybe at a certain point, he is who he is uh, down the road. But I still think there's room for improvement there. Like I still think I still think highly of Bryce Harper or Bryce Elder. Um, of course, I think He's highly of Bryce Harper. That would that would be no debate. No, I still think highly of Bryce Elder, um, and I, I think highly of what he did this year and, and what he can do in the future, um, especially because he's just got like that calm demeanor, man. Like he just he knows how to pitch, uh, and he knows himself. Like I've always said that. I'm confident that we don't know what AJ is going to be yet. He's young. Uh, I'm trying to think of the other depth starters. Darius Vines, Alan Winans, um, Dylan Dot, Jared Schuster. All those guys had their pitfalls. And nobody's a perfect starter, but none of them, at least this season, look like they could be a rotation mainstay. Um, maybe Schuster, uh, maybe Winans. They didn't really blow up super often. Um, but I, I, you know, you're gonna need to see more from those guys. You can't be relying on them. Michael Soroka, guys. 
is an interesting case study because he, because of his time on the major league roster combined with his time on the injured list this year, um, he's reached five years of service time, which means that he would need to consent to being optioned. So does that make him a non-tender candidate? And the reason I say that is because reaching five years of service time would essentially mean that next spring, the Braves couldn't option him. They would have to put him on the roster. Is he good enough at this stage of his career to be a lock for the rotation? I don't know that, but we'll find out a lot about what the Braves think uh, when they decide to, you know, who they're going to tender contracts to. There's just so many unknowns in this rotation that I think Charlie Morton can be the one known. Um, and Morton, Strider, uh, and Freed create a really good one, two, three for you, uh, especially when you're not going to have Kyle Wright for the entire season. Moving on to the other big option decision that uh, Alex will have to make. Gabe, are you bringing Eddie back for $9 million? Oh, that's my, my, initial, my initial thought was yes, um, as you're looking at at what they have. Um, I'm going to throw this one to Justin actually, and I'm going to ask him this. Do you bring, do you have Eddie and Ozuna on this roster next year um, together? And is there any, would there be, if you picked up that option or in the case of Ozuna, if you maybe eat the money or whatever, can you trade one of these guys? I'm going to throw that to Justin. Ooh. Yeah. Um, you know what? I think if you eat some of the money, you can trade Ozuna. Uh, I think he's shown enough, and people have probably heard enough how, about how good of a clubhouse guy he is that you can probably trade him. Here's where I don't know that they would cash out at this point, or why I don't know that they would cash out. 40 home runs a lot, man. He's got a lot of lo- a room for regression if he doesn't have that type of season again. He can hit 25 home runs, and it'll be a big boost. Uh, he can hit 22 home runs, and it would be some sort of a boost. Uh, you know what? Alex said something about Rosario that I didn't think about as much as being important. And here's what it was. He said that the left-handed bat brings great balance throughout the lineup. And you know what? Rosario is a perfect complement to this team because he is a bat to ball guy amid a bunch of power guys. He's a bat to ball guy. He's a left-handed bat. And with him, you've got Olsen, Harris, and Rosario as the true lefties. If you add another righty in there, you're kind of going to have to jumble the lineup and you're not going to have as much balance. Um, but it seems like, to me, my initial thought on this was you don't re- bring Rosario back because you can do more with that money, especially because he was inconsistent. He didn't really, because of the eye thing last year and the inconsistencies this year, he, he probably wasn't super reliable for you, especially because he didn't really show in the postseason, um, which is where a lot of his value came from. Uh, or at least some of his value. Uh, when you know you signed him a couple of years ago, you knew that, look, he wasn't going to hit. And Alex said it in Northport that one day after they signed him. He wasn't going to hit like the 2021 postseason forever, obviously. But just the, that ability to perform big moments helped you. Here's the thing, though, guys. 21 bombs and a 755 OPS for $9 million? That sounds good to me. I mean, if there are no other factors involved, that sounds good to me. Defensively, is he the best? No. but that sounds good to me. Like you can't, you, it's hard to get a hitter like that for $9 million, especially one who can heat up just in an instant. Uh, the Ozuna case is really, really fascinating though, because yeah, you could cash out and you could get more for him now than you ever could. Uh, 
maybe he's part of a package to acquire a starter. Here's why I don't know that that would happen, though, because as much as you, I guess you could put like Von Grissom as a DH or something, I just don't know that you can look at your historic lineup from 2023. And obviously, it didn't end up meaning anything. They didn't win a World Series. But I don't know that you can look at that lineup and be like, yeah, let's subtract from that in a meaningful way. And I, I, I think that overrides anything you would do, especially because Ozuna is said to be such a great clubhouse guy and, and such a great teammate. So I think it's more likely that he's on the roster and Eddie's not. Something tells me that, you know, all the, the stats for Eddie for $9 million is great. But something tells me they can do something with left field. Uh, but Alex did mention, look, if they brought Eddie back, they have the same chance to run out the same lineup. So now time for the Ask Justin segment. Uh, Gabe Burns will. Uh, uh, well, he's having computer problems, so he's vacated the building. But uh, so we'll let Justin handle this one by himself. Answering Braves fans questions on Twitter at Justin C. Toscano. All right. First up from uh, Anna Huffstutter. Pretty simple question. Who do the Braves target to fill some pitching vacancies? Ooh, yeah. You know what? I feel like, and I'm just looking at names, like I, I don't know. I feel like, I wonder if they can get something out of, um, out of Giolito or Flaherty. Like, I wonder if one of those guys, if they can get something out of them, yeah. especially pairing them, you know, with, with Max Freed, old teammate. Like, I wonder, if, uh, I wonder if they can get something out of, out of one of those guys, still young. Um, you know, I, I wonder, I mean, I think, I think he's got a player option, or at least, you know, according to MLB trade rumors, but, um, which is a site, not just a bunch of rumors. It's like they keep track of this stuff um, for anybody who doesn't know. But I, Seth Lugo had a pretty good year in San Diego um, as a starter, showed he could do it. Um, but yeah, just looking at those names, I wonder if they could get more out of Flaherty or Giolito than, you know, was, was kind of previously uh, revealed in those two. Um, and like relief pitchers, you know what? Like, I'll start with this. I don't know who they can get because that's all across the board, but I know his price rose in the second half. You should bring back Pierce Johnson, I think, because here's the thing, Jay Braves relievers combined to have the 28th most or the third fewest pitches 96 miles an hour or above last year. Philly was first. The Orioles were second. Uh, Houston and L.A., couple other usual contenders, ninth and 10th. The Braves need to add more velocity in that bullpen. That should be a focus. All right, next up from Dakota. Since Arcia is entrenched at shortstop until somebody takes his job, do you think Alex signs someone like Cody Bellinger for left field or gets creative with some, someone like Grissom? Yeah, you know what? I think a signing. I mean, Alex, I don't know. I could see Grissom playing in left field because he's such a great athlete, but I think Alex made it clear, one, that Arcia is a shortstop, yes. Um, and two, that they see Grissom as an infielder. That doesn't mean he can't play in the outfield, but they see him as an infielder. They see him as a guy who can move around and play different spots. Here's the issue with that. The Braves don't have any opportunities. Their guys play every day. Um, so that made me think that Grissom could be a trade candidate this winter. Um, it seems like there is no room for him. He's probably your best trade chip uh, right now as a guy who hit consistently over 300 all year. Uh, and Gwinnett, he's too good for AAA. Um, he's probably, you know, but he would be a nice bat in the lineup if he could be, you know, uh, a left fielder. I, something tells me that, you know, yeah, either that could happen or they could do something else, but I don't see Cody Bellinger. Next up from Chris Donald. If culture is the problem, do you change managers or shake up the lineup by dealing a star? No, no. Culture is not the problem in that way. Uh, 
I think that's a topic in terms of you'll you'll see come up with playoff exits. What we were talking about earlier is almost like just you know a little bit of edge in those moments, a little bit of attitude uh, that they seem to have in 21, a little bit of that magic that they didn't have the last couple of years. Maybe that's just baseball randomness. Who knows? But no, no. I think the clubhouse is great as is. The environment's terrific. Uh, Snit is certainly the right guy to lead these guys. Like I, I don't. I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't have any doubts about that. Like Snit, they they love him. Uh, he's consistent every day. He kind of goes about it the same way um, from March to October. And like we said, maybe the Braves is you know view on that. Maybe it doesn't. You know, they need some more edge in October. But I don't think. Yeah, you don't. You don't deal a star. You've got it. This nucleus, I promise, you know, I, oh God, I just made a <laughs> promise people are going to bring up for years to come if this doesn't turn out well, but I, I promise they're, they're going to break through at some point. They're going to get over that hump. I, I feel very confident about that. They're just too good not to. From Ed Taylor, what is one surprising move the Braves can make in the off season that no one's really talking about? See, if we talk about it, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't be surprising. Um, you know what I think about when I think about splashes, I think about how they had three great catchers. And still got Sean Murphy. Um, I wonder if it's a trade for a left fielder that we're not thinking about. More of like a long-term solution uh, at left field. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that's something that I guess people might be talking about. But yeah, I would I would see what if they traded Grissom. What if they you know didn't pick up the option on Rosario. You know, didn't do anything and filled that spot with another. I don't know about a star, but with another mainstay. Probably a similar question, but uh, this is from Zach. What is your bold prediction for the offseason? Ooh, my bold prediction for the offseason um, is, I don't know if this is like that bold, but we're going to see a pretty new bullpen, I think. And uh, last one from Stephen Marsh. Can you provide a glimpse into the baseball operations side, how they target players and moves to get ready for 2024 and beyond? That'd be like a whole other podcast. Yeah, yeah, no, I think, and I've never sat in or, or I guess asked about that specifically, but. I mean, I would think, you know, they've got guys, uh, they've got an R&D department, um, they've got different kind of assistant GMs um, at the director level, kind of, of, you know, these departments that kind of head, you know, whether it's analytics um, and identifying players, uh, and Alex obviously does a lot of good, you know, good job at a lot of that himself, um, you know, being a former scout and identifying guys. Um, so it's kind of like... Uh, what do you call it? A group effort, a collaboration to uh, identify these players and and get kind of ready for 2024. They've got to look at their budget. Alex goes off, you know, the payroll and knowing what they have coming up. And, and I mean, working within that and figuring all that out and just fitting the pieces. It's it's like one big puzzle. And I would assume that Alex always has probably 25 plans that don't come into play. Um, he, he's always prepared. All right. Well, um, usually this is where we do winner of the week. But yeah, on that note, <laughs> I ain't gotten anybody. Yeah, yeah, no, I I think this that would be uh, in poor taste for this week. Um, if you wanted to do one, I guess Austin Riley for showing up. Um, I, but I, yeah, I, I yeah, that, I don't think anybody's going to want to hear a winners of the week this week. Winners of the week as a team, not winners of the week uh, as a team. So uh, on that note, we will leave it there. And um, all right, go uh, go enjoy your bed for a little bit and. Uh, watch some college football and then get ready for the GM meetings in November. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, it's, uh, it's always weird. Here's our winner of the week. Who's going to win the world series. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> the Phillies. I think, you know what? I think I, Oh no, I think I was very clear about this on multiple of our podcasts. 
multiple episodes. Whoever won that Braves Phillies game four, it felt like they were winning the World Series. Like, I think the Phillies are the best team. I, I don't know if, you know, they're better than the Rangers or Houston. I think those are two good teams, but I feel like the Phillies are better suited to win that. I think this is their moment, man. I think they made it so far last year. I can't see them flaming out this year. I think they've come back with a vengeance. Uh, and they're driven. They took down the Braves to prove it. And I think as good as Arizona is, they're going to take down Arizona. Um, and, and I really, I really, really do think that they they win. All right, so that's where we will uh, leave it and uh, stand by for more off-season content. Uh, in the meantime, uh, you know, tell your friends, tell your enemies. We've got a pretty good show here. We're just waiting on some news to pop, and we'll have podcasts uh, when it does. So please rate, review, follow, share, subscribe, and we'll see you the next time on the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, Look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com.